Uh, grab your Bibles and turn to uh, especially Mark 5. Uh, Proverbs 19 is actually our first scripture. Um, while you're turning there, uh, I want to share a very personal uh, joy with you. Uh, this last week, Pam and I found out that Tim and Jill are going to be having another baby. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're excited. And Liam's going to be a big brother, and we get to have another grandchild. And I am just so, I mean, overjoyed. And by the way, you might ask, well, how, how many are you going to have? Well, I hope between my sons I have a bunch, man. They just keep having them. And, uh, but it's just such a blessing to know this child's going to be in our life. And, and Jill and, and Tim are so awesome, and it's just going to be a great family. So we're just praising God for that. Well, let's pray, and we'll get ready to start. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you, God, that you love us. And I know you love us in such a way you want us to have a connection with you that's real and intimate and alive and powerful and dynamic. And, and God, I pray that we would all allow that to happen by listening to what your wisdom and your word says that accentuates this and brings us into a relationship with you that's that way. So I ask right now that your spirit move and touch us. And may we understand how powerful what we're about to look at is and not miss it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're talking about connecting with God. Actually, what we're talking about is being a level four believer. A level four believer is someone who literally says, God, it's not my will, but your will be done. Where we want to live our life sold out for Jesus Christ. And, and in the midst of that, what happens is we end up connecting with God in an amazing way. And it needs to be real. It needs to be passionate. It needs to be dynamic. And, and so two weeks ago we talked about we connect to God when we passionately pray. And we pray with detail and we pray with meaning. And, and when that happens, our connection with God is amazing. So we talk to God. Now he does talk back to us in prayer. But, but in that moment, we're really understanding how powerful it is to talk to God. Then last week we talked about meditation, biblical meditation. And that's when God talks to us. It's the clearest way he can talk to us amongst many other ways that he does as we implant God's word into ourselves. Today we're going to go into one that, you ready for this? That in prayer we talk to him, in meditation we listen to him, and he talks to us. And now what we're going to talk about is how to deepen the sense of his presence. To really experience the presence of God. God created you so deep in your heart, in Romans 1 it says, even within your conscience, you know he's real. And God has made you so you can actually experience him. And when you do the discipline we're going to talk about today, you're going to understand what it means to experience him. Now, what's this discipline? Well, to the Jewish rabbis, this was called a mitzvah, uh, amongst many other ways of interpreting that word. But what they were saying is when you do this one, you actually sum up all of the law together in, in, in one action and by doing this. And you experience God. Now, what is this discipline? It's called kindness. When you show kindness to people. And the idea is that probably, I want you to think about, whenever you've done that, there was something that happened that was deep and incredible and amazing, and God revealed himself to you. Kindness is incredibly important. So much so that when Ohio State University hired a new president, his best friend was the president of Yale University, and he decided to send him uh, uh, some words of encouragement along with congratulations. And listen to what he wrote. He wrote, he said this, always be kind to your A and B students. Someday one of them will return to your campus as a good professor. Also be very kind to your C students. Someday one of them will return and build you a $50 million science laboratory. 
I just think that's too true. <laughs> Proverbs 19.22 says, What is desirable in a man is his kindness. What is desirable in a man is his kindness. It, it makes you a desirable person. Uh, Bob Thompson was a very desirable person. Bob um, and, and his, his friend uh, founded the Thompson McCullough Asphalt Company in Michigan. It, it grew fairly quickly with very dedicated employees to the point that Bob ended up being his partner, ended up leaving, and, and he ended up being the sole owner of the company, he and his wife. He was always known as a very Christian man. He was always known as a very kind man. Uh, but what happened is, is, as the days went, he knew that he needed to retire and he wanted to make sure his company was taken care of. So he put it on the market and sold it to CRH, uh, which is a company out of Dublin, Ireland. And the reason he chose them is because they were famous for taking companies and retaining the employees and not breaking up the company. He sold his company for $422 million dollars. Now, when that happened, there was a lot of concern that went out, thinking when Bob was gone, what would that mean, and would they have a job? And uh, he wanted to bring them together to assure them, so he had a Sunday afternoon meeting set in his four locations that would have a video conference to it, and his 550 employees gathered together, and he assured them they would not be losing their job, and then he said, but I have something else for you. Because you've meant so much to me and to my wife, and not just as employees in our life, I want you to know that I, I want to take care of you. And so he ended up announcing that everybody, based on how many years they had been there, would be given $2,000 each. If you'd been with the company 20 years, you'd get $40,000. So everybody was going to get that. Then he said to his top 80 employees who had been with him the longest, each of them on top of that would get $1 million. And he was going to pay the taxes for it. It cost him $25 million to do it. So they would actually get $1 million that would be theirs. Then on top of that, are you ready for this? He ended up fully funding most everybody's annuities. So when they retired, they were fully vested already. He pretty much gave away all his money. And then whatever was left of the $422 million, he gave away. I got a question for you. Would you like to work for Bob Thompson? Now, now, seriously, wouldn't you want to work for a guy like that? I mean, they loved him beforehand. But, but here's my point. What does it say in Proverbs? It's a person's kindness that makes them desirable. It, it, it makes you valuable would be another way to say it. You become a person of significance, a person of value when you're kind. And God wants us to be kind, not just kind, but loving kind. Again, the rabbis said in the Talmud, which is the ancient Jewish teachings, it says that charity or loving kindness is equal to all the other commandments combined. Uh, and we're going to see another passage that says that in the New Testament. That if you take all of the commandments of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and you pull them all together, you know what God is really saying? Be loving kind to one another. And when you do that, Jesus tells us, when we do that, Paul tells us, you've summed up the law. You, you've gotten what it really means. You've gotten what life is all about. Anybody who is spirit-filled is kind. Because it's one of the fruits of the spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Then it says goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But notice the ending. Against such there is no law. We don't need to, if we're loving kind, you don't have to worry about how you're going to live your life. Because God says that you'll be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you'll be who you're supposed to be. And when you do, you're going to find an amazing blessing from God. Kindness is defined by one writer anonymously is this. Kindness is love shown so clearly 
that the blind can see it and the deaf can hear it. Now, I like that so much, I'm going to say it again. Kindness is love shown so clearly that the blind can see it and the deaf can hear it. When you love like that, there's no obstacle to it getting across to the other person. There's a little bit of controversy over what I'm about to tell you, whether it actually is true or not. But there are people who are experts on Beethoven that say that it is. And what they say is that Beethoven wrote the Moonlight Sonata because he met a young girl who was born blind. Never able to see. And he was so taken with her, her family was impoverished, that he, he wanted to bless her. He just loved this little girl. And, and it bothered him that she couldn't see the things that you and I see. And so he wanted her to see what it was like when the moon rose over a meadow. When the glimmers of the moonlight hit the pond. And how it reflected off. When you walked through the trees and the moon went in and out. And then when you stood and saw it shimmering on the dew drop on a, a leaf. And what he wanted to do is see it. And according to what we're told, he wrote this piece and he sat with her and she could see it. She could see it. And why did he do it? He was kind. I, uh, I want you to think about this famous piece of music. And, and I'm going to encourage you. You can choose to do this. Donovan's going to play it. I'd like you to shut your eyes and think what it would be like to be that little girl picturing the moon coming up. Picturing what it was like in her mind, the shimmer on the lake. Picturing the, the glow, the, the milkiness and the, and the Milky Way galaxy that shined out on the earth. Think about the moonlight now.
Awesome job, man. Awesome. Wow. Now, everybody will get something different out of that, and that's okay. You know, some of you, it, it, it touches you, and others are going, okay. Uh, but, but here's the point for me. <clears throat> when I heard that, I, re I re immediately went and downloaded the song and began listening to it, and all of a sudden, I loved it more than ever. Because I believe the story's true, and I'm thinking about the kindness and the love that went into this for some young girl. And it gained more and more value to me to this music. And that's what I want to tell you happens with kindness, period. It gives more value to life. I mean, God's created you to experience him in the midst of this in an amazing way. Because when you show kindness, you're not only speaking to somebody in a way that I think is amazingly clear. You speak to their heart and you speak to their soul. Uh, Chinese Christians have a story that actually dates back thousands of years. And the stories of two brothers, and they were both farmers. And what happened is, is the, the, the season was going to be a rough one. They weren't going to have the harvest they needed to have to make it. And one brother was praying and talking to God, and he said, God, what do you want me to do with my life? How should I? And all of a sudden, his brother came to mind, and he thought, Lord, how should I bless my brother? And he felt that God spoke to him and said, you need to give him grain because times are going to be tough. And so he wanted to do it in secret. So he dug into his granary, filled up a bag, huge bag he had late at night snuck over and poured the grain into his brother's granary the next morning his brother got up and walked out and opened the granary and it's almost overflowing and he's like oh my God has blessed me oh what a wonderful God we serve and he thought Lord what should I do with this blessing I know I'll give it to my brother and, uh, and so he takes it out and fills up the bags and even a little more and he goes back and secretly puts it in his brother's granary his brother gets up the next morning, opens it, and goes, oh, this must be God. Look, I gave to my brother, and I got back even more. What would God want me to do? He would want me to give it to my brother. And uh, so he fills up his bag. Well, the other brother thought, I need to give more to my brother. And he fills it up. And according to the story, they're walking under the moonlight late at night, sneaking towards each other, and they bump into each other. And when they see what's going on, they realize it. And they begin to laugh, and they begin to hug. And they begin to cry, and here's how the proverb, the, the story ends. And then God in the moonlight revealed himself to them. Now, I don't know if you've experienced that. I hope you have. I bet you have, actually. When you've done something kind for somebody, that what happens is you begin to experience God. You begin to sense love. You begin to sense what life's all about. So that after you've done a kind act, when you lay in bed at night, you don't ask this question, does my life matter? I can't believe Bob Thompson laid in bed after he did what he did for his employees and thought, did I do anything important with my life? He knew. Why? Because what is desirable in a man, according to Proverbs 19.22, is kindness. What is valuable in a man is kindness. And when we do it, the fruit of the Spirit moves. And we need to understand that that's why Paul in Ephesians 4.32 said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, we know the value of forgiveness, but notice how he began. Be kind. Be kind. As you look for things to do with kindness, it not only connects you with God in deep ways, it gives deep, deep value to your life. My all-time favorite story in the Bible is found in Mark chapter 5. I love this. It may not be yours, but it's mine. And in it, there might be some things that you might not be aware of unless you studied it with some depth. But what happened is Jesus has come into a village and Jairus, the head of the synagogue, has come up to him and he's asked him, he said, will you come and heal my daughter? 
Will you come and, 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 and lay your hands on her because she's dying, his 12-year-old little girl. And so now Jesus is getting ready to head that way. But all of a sudden, the crowd, which because he's so popular, begins to see him. And they begin to rush around him and press on him. Now imagine how Jairus is feeling in this moment. Because if you were a parent, you would want to rush Jesus to the side of your sick child. But now the crowd, they're like having to force their way through. And I just can imagine this man who's just going crazy, like, get out of the way, get out of the way. Well, in the crowd, there's a woman. And for 12 years, she's been hemorrhaging. She's been bleeding. Now, what you would need to know, and and maybe most of you already do, is in the Old Testament law, it says that if you have a flow of blood that does not stop, you're considered unclean. And you must be quarantined. You must be isolated. As a matter of fact, people would not even talk with you. They would leave food at a distance. And and for 12 years, this woman has lived in isolation, broken and hurting and anemic and sick. And then it says she spent every penny she had on doctors and not, not only did not get better, she got worse. So can you imagine, you know how when you feel sick, when you, when you are already down and, and now no one's around you and no one cares for you and, and she could not be more alone and desperate and lonely. And we know this in part because the law also taught that if she touched anybody, they immediately were declared unclean and had to go through a period of cleansing, a long period of cleansing before they were allowed to come back in. So the law taught that if you were unclean and you went in and purposely touched people, that you would be killed. The last place she should be is in this crowd. But she can't stand it. Her only hope is Jesus, and she believes he's worth hoping in. And she starts to think, if I could just touch the fringe of his garment. And and I know it doesn't say that in the English, but that's what it says in the Greek. The fringe of his garment is the bottom of his garment. If I could just touch it, then I know I'd be healed. Well, what happens is that's where she's going to end up touching. Because as she comes, and Jesus is moving through the crowd, and the crowd is pressing on him, she reaches out to touch him. And I am positive, I'm right about this, she would not have laid on the ground in a crowd, especially in her weakened condition. They would trample her. So it must be that as the crowd shifted, and move and she was weak she was knocked to the ground reached out with everything she had barely touches the fringe and the power of God goes out of Jesus and she's healed but notice what happens next Mark chapter 5 verse 30 immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth turned around in the crowd and said who touched my garments and his disciples said to him you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say who touched me And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. He's looking for her. Now, don't miss this. But the woman fearing and trembling. Why is she fearing and trembling? Because she's not supposed to be there. Why is she fearing and trembling? Because everybody she's just touched is unclean and needs to now go through that time of cleansing. She's fearing and trembling because Jairus is standing there and he can call for her death. And she's fearing and trembling because not only did she touch him being unclean, she touched a rabbi. And a woman was not to touch a man in public, much less a rabbi. She's done everything wrong and she knows she's about to be found out. And it says in verse 33, but the woman fearing and trembling of where what had happened to her came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, now this is the most amazing part, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace and you will be healed of your affliction. Daughter. The the Greek word there is, you're my little girl. He looked at her and and, and you know what she needed more than physical healing? She needed love. 
He could have just said, okay, you're healed, get out of the way. Or he could have said, you weren't supposed to touch me. But what he does instead is he looks into the deep depth of her soul and he says, you matter to me so much, I want you to know you're my little girl. And I mean it. I love you so much. I care about you so much. Don't miss this too. In that moment, not only did he give her uh, forgiveness, he gave her dignity. He gave her dignity. See, kindness gives people dignity. And, and when we do it, and, and we're in the midst of it, we see God cause that to happen. We not only find value in ourselves, we bring value to others. And we experience God unveiling himself in front of us. Uh, uh, and when you do that, it becomes incredibly powerful. Um, Pam and I uh, went and served at the Fred Jordan Mission, which is in downtown Los Angeles, caring for homeless people. And uh, when we got down there on our day to serve, it was the day they were doing makeovers for women. They were bringing them in and they were letting them have showers and letting them pick out beautiful clothes and, and have their hair done and makeup done and cuts and things like that. And, and I want to be real honest here. I got a little cynical because I'm thinking, what good is this going to do? Because they're going to go out in the street and be dirty in a few hours. I, I mean, they, I know they need food and clothes and cleanliness, but I mean, come on, this is almost... Uh, and I, I thought, you know, it's kind of a waste of time. And, and my job was to check for lice, and so uh, I was willing to do that. But the thing was, I, I tell you, God showed me how wrong I was. Because what happened is the women came in, and they, they took their showers, and they got checked, and then they were sent into the beauticians, and, and they sat down. And I want you to know, they craved this more than the clothes. And as they went to work on him, the women were so kind to him. They were saying, oh my gosh, you know what? If I cut your hair this way, this is what your face is made for. And oh, I love your eyes. Oh, let me do this. It'll bring out your eyes. And, and they were talking about how be beautiful they were. And, and I'm watching these women. And I, this is what I mean. I really mean this. They, they, they stood up afterwards. Now that's huge because they came in slouching. They came in broken. They came in in despair. Now they stood and they looked beautiful and they felt beautiful. And by the way, let me tell you this. That's how God sees you. God looked at that woman that day, Jesus himself, and said, you're my daughter. You're beautiful to me. And when you give kindness, you bring out the beauty in people and the beauty in life. And I stood there thinking, God, how did I miss this? By the way, the reason I'm so excited for our church to work at the Orange County Rescue Mission is it's not just rescuing people off the street. It's restoring dignity back into their lives by causing things of beauty to happen around them. And that's what we're going to be doing. And when you do that, you experience God. It's spiritual. Uh, Pam and I, when we were married and had young kids, we were like many young couples. We were struggling financially. We didn't make that much money. And we had lots of friends in the same boat. And uh, then one of my friends lost his job. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, he's a great guy and, and he's trying to get work. And we knew he was pretty uh, uh, de depressed about it and, and hurting over it. And so a bunch of us got together and we said, you know what we should do? Let's, let's get him food. And there were probably, I'm going to say, uh, six, eight, ten couples. I mean, there's like 12, 20 people. And, and we all gathered together, and we just pooled our money, and we went to the store. And it was so fun, you guys. We're going through there, and we're buying stuff. And, and, and we ended up buying, like, I thought, you know what? I don't care what they want to do. I'm getting those kids, like, the unhealthy cereal they'll love. And so I got that, and, and we fill up these baskets. And we have all this food. We're like, oh, this is great. And so our plan was to sneak over and secretly leave it and run away. But there's too many of us. And so 
what happens is we're trying to put him down and get out of there as fast as we can. And his door opens and he looks at us and we take off running and he's yelling, come back, come back. And so we all come back and we go in the house and we help bring the food in. And, and the kids get out of bed and come running down and his wife comes in and man, she was all off the charts, blown away. So was he. My friend was crying and we're getting out the food. And I, here's, I got to tell you what I did too. I got out one that had like prizes in them and I handed them to the kids. I go, go get the prizes out of this cereal. Go ahead and dig it. And I don't care. You know, and uh, I, I didn't ask permission. But, and the kids are digging, and, and when we left, man, I've got to tell you, I know God was there. I mean, we all did. But the next day, my friend wanted to talk to me and wanted some prayer. And he said, Chuck, you just have no idea what you guys did. He said, uh, when you came to the porch, I was sitting at my kitchen table. The kids are in bed, and my wife was doing something else. And I sat there thinking these thoughts. What's wrong with me? Man, I'm trying to get a job. What's wrong with me? He said, then you guys are there. People I love, I care, I respect. And you love me and care about me and respect me. And I thought, why do I think something's wrong with me? I am loved. And he said, you guys gave me something better than food. You gave me back hope. You gave me hope. I'm going to be okay. You know, I want you to know that's what God wants to give everybody here today. Hope. And he wants you to know it's not just a, a hope of something that won't occur. It's real. But here's the thing, that he wants you and I to go give that to other people. Friends that need it. Uh, children that need it. Your children that need it. Your friends that need it. Your moms and dads that need it. That you turn and do kind things. And what happens in that moment is the light of God shines on you in such a way. And you're God, you're, God, you're here with me. You're here with me. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, I want to show you this. You just can't miss this. The, the kindness that God uses through David. By the way, while you're turning there, in the imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis, which is a, a collection of sayings in the Middle Ages of people who were close to God and talking about what it's like to imitate Christ, to be close to him, he writes this. Without loving kindness, external work is of no value. But anything done in loving kindness be it ever so small and trivial, is entirely fruitful inasmuch as God weighs the love with which a man acts rather than the deed itself. I, I love that. They, they, you might think, well, I just did a little thing. I gave somebody a Coke and some water. I, I, I turned and, and, you know, I just decided in the moment, you know, to buy someone who's homeless a meal. Uh, but, you know, it says it doesn't matter how little it is, you know. Uh, it might be a note you wrote to someone. So I was just thinking of you. It says that God weighs the love with which you did it. He weighs that out to you. It, it, it's value to your life. There's an old story told that Alexander the Great was driving his troops to get into a particular place for battle. And he was driving them hard. And, and as they were going, they had these donkeys that were carrying supplies. And, and donkeys weren't highly valued as animals, just as a you know, resource for that. And one began to, to literally get feeble and start to go down. And a soldier saw it, because soldiers didn't deal with the donkeys. And he rushed over and he grabbed a bag that was on the donkey and threw it on his shoulder reached and grabbed another one and took it off and the donkey now was able to walk and hopefully get better and Alexander the Great saw the soldier do it and when he came up he surprised them and he thought I'm in trouble you know I'm not supposed to be here and Alexander the Great looked at him and said I'm, I'm so touched by the kindness you showed that dumb animal and so I want you to know that the two bags that are on your shoulders are yours to keep they're filled with gold 
Now, you know what I want to say? I, I know this sounds flowery, but I think it's true. I'm really about to, I really believe what I'm about to say is true. When you show kindness to people, your life is rich. Your life is rich. And, and then it has value. And that's what it says in Proverbs 19.22. It's desirable in a man. It's valuable in a man that you show kindness. And, and God wants you to do that. And, and in it, you experience God in an amazing way. Um, I remember when I first came uh, to, to Crossroads, I told a particular story. And, and what it was was this, is that back when I was at CCV, I was talking about the need to just, you know, be, be generous. Just be a generous person. And I said, I know some of you disagree with me, but you know what? If I see someone homeless, man, I, I give them money. And, and I got to tell you, I'm surprised how some people came up, maybe for some of you right now going, that's wrong. You never give them money. And, and here's what I'm going to say. Ready? You, you wrestle through this. Uh, uh, I know it's better to give them food, but if you can't give them food in the moment, it's better to give them money than nothing. Now, that's what I think. You know, and, and, and you know what? Five bucks to them's different than five bucks to me. And so, you know, I, I would rather do that. And so, you know, I know, and so anyway, I shared that at Christ Church of the Valley where I was pastor. And this guy, I mean, he came up mad. I, I got to tell you, he was like, no, they'll buy alcohol with it. They'll buy, you know, they'll, they'll get drugs. I thought, with five bucks? You know, and, uh, and then I looked at him and I said, okay, so what have you given lately? What have you given and he goes, well, I said, you know what? You didn't have time, so you just rode by them and thought those, you didn't give anything. So was it better to give money that they're responsible what they do with it or nothing? And I said, I'm going to challenge you with that. And, and so what happened is he's driving on Foothill near Gary in Pomona, and he sees a jack-in-the-box, and there's a homeless guy standing there. And he actually told me, he went, oh, Chuck. Ugh. You know, and, and so he made a U-turn and came around and went in there. And, and he thought, I'm not giving him money. But he ran into Jack in the Box and he bought some food. And, and he came out and he walked up to the man. And he walked up, he kind of surprised the guy. And he said, hey, uh, um, I don't want to offend you, but would you like some food? And he told me, he said, Chuck, when that guy realized what I was about to do, he, he literally starts to cry. And he's like, thank you. And he said, I really did. You were right. I, I experienced the Holy Spirit like I never had before. And they wouldn't allow him a jack-in-the-box, so I thought, I'll just sit with them on the curb. And we sat on the curb, and he ate that food, and he said, I just sense God. Well, I shared that, I think, the first or second week I was here. And then one of the men in our church on that Monday happened to be driving on Foothill 